you have to be really strategic about who you're going after and you, your, your deck might not be the same deck for everyone. And I know that's incredibly time consuming, but if you're pitching in front of a room of old white guys versus in a diverse group of women from all different backgrounds, I mean, the story you're going to tell is just going to have to by nature be a little bit different. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, executive leadership coach, and author of the Be a Badass Six Tools to Uplevel Your Life. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you integrate who you really are with what you do. I call that living a badass life. Are you with me? Let's go. Welcome everybody to your Badass Journey podcast. Today I have Wendy Heilbutt on. She is an attorney and angel investor whose legal expertise bridges the gap between traditional law and innovative growth. I know when you guys think about if you're like me at all and you think about the legal side of life and business, it can feel daunting. And what I love about today's conversation with Wendy is that we were able to bring light and life into this part of the world. So what's beautiful about the work she does with Jayaram Law, which is based here in New York City, is that she really helps bring out the innovative vision of new founders. She tends to lean towards uh, female founders in business to help them drive action towards the capital that they need and and in order to invest in their companies, but also make sure that they're set up properly so that there isn't rework later. Super important when you're trying to launch a startup. Wendy is a mom of two and a wife. And we also dig into a little bit of how we integrate life and business to create that badass world that you and I both love to live in. So I'm really enjoyed today's conversation. We get into some really fun topics. I hope you enjoy it as well. And as usual, if you could post a review after you listen today and let us know what you think about the show, it really helps boost and get more listeners into our community so we can serve more people. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. Today's conversation is with Wendy Hyopat. Welcome, Wendy. Thanks. So great to be here, Kareem. I'm so glad to have you on the show because you're in such an innovative space in what I consider a traditional industry, which is the legal side of the world. (laughs) And I'm loving the fact that we we get to share what you do today and dialogue on this a little bit because I think a lot of listeners will benefit. So first, to kick things off, um, I would love for you to introduce you know, yourself, what you do today, but also you know, share a bit about the journey that got you here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, I love how you introduced me because it's true. It's, it's, you know, I, I, my legal career started at a very, very traditional big law firm in a very traditional suit every day, you know, practically pantyhose kind of environment. Um, and then today I get to still practice law and do the things that I've you know, liked about law, but in a very different way and, and with a different type of client and a different type of day-to-day experience. So a little bit of my background, um, I uh, graduated from law school and 
moved to New York to work for this big white shoe law firm thinking this was the dream and I was going to want to become a partner here and this whole thing. And by probably day two or three, I realized it was not going to be for me for the long haul. Um, but I did see the benefits and I'm actually every day so glad that I stuck it out for about five years and, and learned so much and got so much training. And, you know, as the world kind of changes, I, I think there, I'm not going to say there is or isn't, you know, a need or a place to be at, you know, one of these sort of big institutions, but there are benefits that, you know, many, many years of work, whatever your field is, you're, you know, well, you know, experienced in any field, you have a lot to offer. So I was lucky to be surrounded by, you know, people who've been practicing law for a long time and had a lot to offer. Um, as far as training and, you know, less, less beneficial things as well in that environment. Um, but, uh, you know, prior to law, I had taken a few years off between undergrad law school and did some headhunting in San Francisco. My childhood was very non-traditional. Um, I grew up in a intentional spiritual community in West Virginia, moved from there to Atlanta and then to St. Louis where my parents are from. So as much as that's not necessarily part of my sort of day-to-day practice. It's very much part of who I am as a person. I think the, the, the pivots and shifts in my life, I think have prepared me to accept and welcome pivots and shifts all the time. Um, I think that sort of grounded, very, um, spiritual childhood also set me up to be a person who, you know, considers my mental and emotional health as important as any other part of my life. Um, which isn't easy all the time for certainly any of us and absolutely for me, but it is something that I recognize as, as important. Yeah. And so my practice today, just to sort of, you know, finish that answering that question is predominantly intellectual property, which was my background. Um, and then the wonderful thing about running a small practice is I get to work with sort of any size client that maybe would be turned off by the sort of behemoth of a big law firm, both the rates and the sort of slow movement of that type of an organization. So a lot of my clients are early stage companies, fast growing companies, companies that are pivoting quickly. I've also just really found a niche in the female founded space, which has been really wonderful and working with a lot of amazing women leaders who are running businesses and starting their own businesses and building their dream business. So I think it's all... Yeah, yeah, it's amazing because with the legal side of things for a lot of creatives or in the innovative space, right? In that startup environment, you don't want to be bogged down by the minutiae, but you need to get protection around what you're creating. And I'm curious, you know, based on what did you call it? White shoe practice? Yeah, white shoe law firm. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Oh, like, yeah. I, I was like, white shoe. I'm like, that just made me like flash to the hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> it's a term. I don't know where it came from, but white shoe law firm. I don't know what it yeah, comes from. Yeah, like I've, I've never yeah. heard that one before. So that's a new uh, one for me. Uh-huh. You know, I'm least a white collar. But <laughs> this is like the next level. We'll have to see if your listeners are familiar with it. They can message us and tell yeah. us if they know what I'm talking about or they think I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you had also, um, you know, a core like spiritual upbringing or the awareness of that and the ability to find, you know, the integration points of like you know, a soulful connection uh, of self care, right? That goes yeah. then into the execution of work. I think I could totally see how that would be super beneficial in the innovative space. Because what you didn't mention quite yet is also the angel investing side mm. like, and how you take not only your skill set of, of 
um, assisting innovators in initiating their business or even protecting themselves in their business from a legal standpoint, you've taken it a step further. So, so tell us a little bit about that part as well. Yeah. Awesome. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's something I've been doing the last little while is getting into angel investing. And it's, it is, it's like a full circle, sort of how you're explaining it. It's, it's fun to be able to be in the space with my clients, but also um, as an investor, getting to see companies from that side. So that's certainly something I bring to the table. A company comes to me brand new and I'm able to sort of say, hey, are you going to fundraise in the first couple of years? Here's some things you should think about right off the bat. Certainly as clients are getting towards fundraising, I can say, okay, you know, let me help you with your pitch deck. You know, I try to do a lot of these sort of things that a typical lawyer wouldn't do. And it's not necessarily in my legal practice, but it's just something that, you know, when I get to know these companies, I understand their business. It's something else I can add. And then of course, on the other side, as an investor, it is fun to also, you know, know kind of the legal backbones and and have that in my back pocket as I'm evaluating companies that I may or may not want to invest in. And and I'm in that ecosystem too. So it's it's nice when I can to help my clients that are fundraising be introduced to you know, different groups or organizations or individuals when I can make those connections. I love that. Yeah. I mean, there's so many lessons learned up front that I've seen startups have to rework later on the legal front. And it just causes like a whole nother heavy mammoth of an animal. And and it eats away at the investment too, to carry the legal fees to make it work properly. And so it's really great that you've integrated both at the at the start of a business for some of the folks that come to you because then it's like you know you're getting your money's worth because you have someone looking out for your best interest out of experience and that that's really great. What drew you to, you know, the, leaning more towards the female uh, founders mm. or female creators in the world? Yeah. Well, on one hand, I'd say it was just sort of luck. I don't think there are that many women practicing law in this space. We have a lot of sort of technology law. It's a, it's a kind of growing subset of, mm-hmm. of law. And I've been starting to see a little more of these kind of lists of tech lawyers and this, that, and the other. And I've been asked to you know submit applications for some of these lists and things. And I'll find that there are very, very few women, which is... It is what it is, right? I don't know. I, I, we could sit here and speculate and, and come up with a lot of... You know, there's such a you know, issue with female funding and females being paid, you know, um, commensurate with males. So maybe it's an offshoot of that. I'm not sure. But I think it was a combination of just my interest in the space, you know, interest in getting into angel investing, interest in this early growth space. And then my background in intellectual property, which is really what I had done um, at the big firm, the white shoe firm. So I, you know, I'm trying to remember. I think a few years ago, I just started finding myself uh, getting on the radar for some of these events. I don't remember exactly how. And it just, I would go to these events with lawyers, and everyone's kind of bogged down. Oh, I work so hard. I'm so tired. My life's, you know, miserable. And then I'd go to these events with these founders, and they were working just as hard, probably harder than, you know, your typical lawyer. You I mean, you're starting to grow a business. And everyone was so inspired and so collaborative. And you just felt, you just loved it. And I was like, I want to be part of this space. And I, you know, I, I'm the founder of the New York office of, of my boutique firm. So I was like, Hey, I'm a founder too. I could like, you know, be in this group. Yeah. And I kind of would go to some of the events, like I'm a founder too. And then little by little, I started to make some relationships with some of these early stage companies and it's sort of snowball. Now I'm a mentor and advisor to some incubators and accelerators that I get to work with. And then, you know, when companies want to hire me as a lawyer, they'll hire me, you know, separate from my work as a mentor there. And it's just, it's, it's been really fun. And now it's starting to grow and people are referring their friends. And I love being able to be an advocate, like you're saying, for these early stage companies that, you know, 
they need it. They, they don't, they don't necessarily know. And, and there are some, there's a few key areas that I'm always like, okay, let's get this and this right. You know, right. I know that you're strapped for cash and, and we're going to do this as best we can, but let's get these things right, you know, at the outset. Yeah, it's it's such a dynamic part of the business that upfront that upfront piece and also to build the sustainability and scalability, right? Like as you don't want that to be something that trips up progress, you know, if it isn't done a certain way. And so I love that that that's what you are offering in those exchanges even just, you know, as you're in these environments of what I call willingness, you know, like the difference to me in, in the in an entrepreneurial startup environment is like there's just always this willingness to learn because mm-hmm. everybody's in this drive for the what's next or how can I accomplish it faster or better or or you know hit my clients' needs, you know, in a way that hasn't been done before. Like there's that energy. So I love that, you know, you feel that when you go into the room and who wouldn't want to work with that? You know, like it's just, it's contagious. It's, and that then that elevates your um, energy as well on how you service, you know, your folks, um, your clients and expand your business. So you are entrepreneurial. You got to own that. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. Absolutely. And regards to your focus today in your business, like what what do you, you know, what are your current, I guess, I don't want to, I don't like using the word goals, but like your Mm -hmm. your vision or your desire for how your business is meant to expand? Yeah. Um, It's exciting. So yeah, we are uh, um, sort of boutique firm, somewhat small. There's eight lawyers right now. And we are in the process of actively hiring lawyers in Chicago and New York. And it's, it's just, you know, the, the, the firm is going to grow and we want to maintain being sort of a bit different. I mean, we try to present ourselves to our clients as lean and mean and ready to pivot and, and, and operating kind of like a startup. And if that means, you know, you need quick answers or you want flat fees or, you know, we use a lot of innovative technology ourselves. It helps us move quicker and, and less expensively than perhaps some of the other firms. So that's, that's really our, like my partner and I, our goal for, for how we see the firm growing as a whole. I think for me, for my practice, I'm pretty excited being where I am with the female founder space. I read this article two days ago. I think, I don't know if you know the female founder fund, but they came out with some research about Female Founders Series A funding just a few days ago. Did you see this? No, I hadn't. I haven't read it yet. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. Well, it was shocking because they said they were all excited about the progress we've made for female founders over the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. They were looking at 2013 and 2018. And they said in 2013, only one female founder in New York raised a Series A. That was it. And so I was so excited. Okay, okay, how are we doing now? How's 2018? And they were so proud because the number was now like 15 female founders have raised three days. And still I'm thinking, geez, Louise, okay, it's progress, but come on, people. Come I know. On. Come on. Do you find that it's it's a matter of like the whole because I see this, you know, I've managed a lot of people even through their career growth, and it's like yeah. almost a fear of asking. Mm-hmm. is what I see. I think that's what I'll call it. It's like this mm-hmm. hesitation to ask, fear of ask, that we have to do it ourselves. We have to prove it to ourselves first as women before we go out and ask. You know, And and that is like, as you just were talking about it, I'm like having this visceral reaction of like, oh, like how are we not past that yet? You know, like we should be in anything we do, go out and ask for that funding. You know, and I'm constantly coaching, you know, a different founders, men and women, but it's like, get clear on the ask and stop having the story in your mind 
stop you from putting it out there. You don't know unless you're going to ask. So I'm curious, like, what are the top hurdles you think, if you were to advise anybody listening mm-hmm. who's in that realm of like, I should probably go ask for funding, or I don't even know how to assess that I need funding or whatever that looks like, what would be the top tips or things to think about to help encourage people to go after that, that round? Yeah, no, I think Kareem, what you're saying is so valuable and, and the advice that you're able to give your um, clients is so valuable too, because I think that's, it, I think it's as psychological as it, as factual, right? So it's, it's what you're saying. And I think, you know, the studies are out that men, if they qualify for 20% of the bullet points on a job post, they'll apply. Women, we need 80%. And even then we're not sure we're qualified, right? So I think there's, I think there's definitely some of that at play. I think also there's a big problem where so many of the investors are men. And so there's a lack of understanding of the female business. So um, for example, I know, and and I've learned this from talking to VCs that men like numbers, men want numbers. Show me how this is going to make money. Show me what this is going to do. As females, we are more um, comfortable with us opening a story, starting with a story, and then we get to the numbers. So if I have a client who's pitching or, you know, doing a fundraising round, First of all, you know, give your round of start and an end date. You know, you have to. Obviously, that end date might get pushed out, but you've got to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to give this my, if not all, as much as I can. And it's really hard if you're a solo and you're still a solo, which I have a lot of clients who are still solos and they've they've really bootstrapped their business to a point that fundraising is realistic. It's not like a teeny thing. There's there's real proof of concept and and, and business growth that raising outside capital makes sense. And then it's hard, right? It's really hard to say, I'm going to take two months away from my business. So you figure it out, but you give yourself a window of time and you have to be really strategic about who you're going after. And you, your, your deck might not be the same deck for everyone. And I know that's incredibly time consuming, but if you're pitching in front of a room of old white guys versus in a diverse group of women from all different backgrounds, I mean, the story you're going to tell is just going to have to, by nature, be a little bit different. Don't lie, obviously, but position yourself in a way that everyone can buy into your story. And just you have to learn your audience. And I know it's incredibly time consuming and hard to hear, but I think that's I think that's important. And and just to the sort of more psychological piece piece for women, I, I I you know everyone's different. Everyone has to figure it out for themselves, of course. But yes, I think that there's a time, and I, it's different for every business. But if you get to a point where you can't you know fulfill an order, or there's so much demand for what you're doing, you need to bring somebody else on board. You know things like that that you just can't do. And, and, and it's time. It's time. Hey, look at yourself in the mirror. You did something great. You're, you're growing. You're, you're getting there. Somebody else is going to want to help you out. And maybe it's friends and family. Maybe it's just a small... It can be equity. You can give your friends and family a piece of your business. Not, don't give it all away. <laughs> you know, advise, Get some advice that'll help you figure out the right amounts. But um, you don't have to go on a big formal raise. But you know, when it's time, know that it's time and bring in some money that can help you. People want to. If you're doing something exciting, there's people that want to invest. Yeah, and I also think that it it helps you get further faster. Uh, yes. You know, when we're stuck in that mentality, and and uh, it's the what I call the like addiction to the check money mindset, where it's you know you have to earn it to receive it. Like it, it, it you have to you know put the service out there before you can accept. Like that in its own mindset totally impacts an an investment layout, right? Like to think investment, it's like it it. it it needs to have exposure and say it's an investment in the potential of what you're going to be putting out there. And not many people are accustomed to that prepaid. It looks like a prepaid model, even though it's not because it's an investment and there's going to be a return and you're going to bust your ass to like go and make that happen, right? Yeah. But there's that. And then I think the second mindset 
two that stops people, um, which is worth breaking down, is when you accept other people's investment in you, what accountability and showing up looks like. And I think that's the other arena where as as um, women, especially female founders, it's kind of like, well, I got to do it myself and just prove it, prove it, prove it. And then I can say I'm worth it yeah. to receive it versus the acceptance of just invest in me. Let's see where that goes and, and being grateful, gratitude for that moving forward momentum to then let go of the noise that mm-hmm. shows up that stops us from going even further. You know, it's just, a, it's just a, such an interesting dynamic. And, and I do think there is that whole um, overlay of you know, unequal pay or perception of not getting paid what we're worth when, again, it comes back to that asking. Yes. You know, like if we don't get comfortable with the ask, we just will never know. Totally. No, and I think what you were saying was was so astute too about this, just believing, it, I don't know, somebody used this term, it was new to me, but I think it's really out there, this imposter syndrome complex. You know, it's like this, <laughs> you're shaking your head. Yeah, like this idea that, you know, we have to prove something to someone. Probably it's ourselves, right? Probably at the end of the day, it's ourselves. But that there's something out there that we don't qualify for this. And I think women have it. I'm sure there are plenty of men that face it too. I'm not, I, I don't want to say that there, oh. there aren't. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably, you know, very present in, in both genders. Um, but this idea that someone's going to give me money, like, you know, like you're saying, what, what does that look like? What do I do for, you know, so yeah. How do I, how did, how did I earn that? Yeah. Getting yeah. over it. And it, yeah. so the simple ways to potentially equate it, like just for those who are listening that might be struggling with going out for the ask, it's kind of like, you know, it's the application process just a little bit deeper and more about who you are to getting the amount of money that like right now they're so used to applying for an application and getting a credit card. And it has this like line of credit, right? That they could just use and purchase into. And there's no exchange. There's no like accountability on on that. And it's what gets them into trouble. But what I love that you bring to the table, it's like, yes, let me show you how to line yourself up for the investment. But I'm sure they lean on you a little bit too for that emotional support around the money side. You know, like the the ability to ask and also present themselves in a way that is viable as well for that return. Yeah, and and what the right ask is too. I mean, that's a hard one to come up. And I, again, it's it's not for me as a lawyer to tell somebody how much. But I always try to say, okay, look, don't you don't want to run out of money in six months? Mm-hmm. That that looks bad. But you don't want to also want to ask for so much money that you know you you can't raise that money. Like you ideally are asking for the right amount of money that you can raise, and that's going to give you like a I don't know nine to twelve month runway, maybe a little more, a little less, but you know, give or take a year is usually kind of the goal. And and hey, great things happen and you scale really quickly and you need more money or you pivot and it takes a little longer to use the money. That's okay too. But that's that's a lot of conversations I have too. Sort of what does that look like? What are the critical things that you need to get yourself to the next stage and how much is that going to cost? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So it's so empowering, you know, that you create that space, but also show them how. And then as an angel investor, you actually like put your money where your mouth yeah. is. For some of your, <laughs> for some of your businesses, which is yeah, funny. yeah. You know what? I I love uh, one of the topics that I love to bring up to, um, you know, for listeners is how to find ways to align what you love with what you do. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you've taken like your education and 
um, and found a way, um, education and your practice, you know, uh, and your work life and found a way now to integrate doing the pieces you loved with clients that you enjoy working with. Tell me a little bit about like family life and mm-hmm. how you integrate being a mom and a wife, you know, and making sure you find that integration. I don't, um, I don't believe in balance because that yeah. requires trade off. So like I, I, it's more about integration. So tell me a little bit about that, like how you, how you make that work. Yeah, thank you. No, it's it's a huge one, sure, for so many people in their lives. And one piece of I realized one big piece of my story I left out was so I was at this big law firm for a handful of years, and I left and actually went and worked at a startup for a little while, started in a nonprofit myself, and then really didn't work outside the home that much. I really focused on I had two little kids, um, and I was mostly home with them. And and I don't want to say I wasn't working because <laughs> anyone who has kids knows that's. You know that's working, and then after you know a little while of that, I realized I wanted to work outside the home again, and got back into practicing law. And so that's that's been a journey for sure too. Was that transition for my family from being predominantly home to you know a lot not home? I don't want to say predominantly, but you know during the week, Monday through Friday, predominantly not home. And my youngest is in kindergarten now, so the kids are you know in school most of the time. I'm working, but. Um, yeah, so, so let's see. So the, the, the way I kind of integrate everything is I try to be present in what I'm doing. And I know that's so hard in this world where, oh my God, I didn't respond to the teacher's email from three days ago about XYZ in the class. And I'm sitting at my computer at work and I've got to jump over and do that. So there's, it's, it's not a perfect science, obviously, but as best I can, I try to, you know, the mornings I get up, I have a little time to myself, I meditate, I kind of get my day focused and I get the kids. And then it's not a long window, but I have a window where I just really try to be with them, not looking at my phone, not, you know, stuff's coming up. It's just going to have to wait. You know, I'm with them until they go on the bus. It, it's a short window. So it's not, it's not crazy, but get them breakfast, get them fed, off they go to school. Two days a week, I go with them. So I try to spend a little extra time. I go to school with them and get to have that sort of time at their school. Parents are welcome to drop their kids every day at the classroom, but it's just for my life, that, that's not feasible. But two days a week is my time. And then, you know, when I'm at work, I try to really focus on being at work. And again, there's, you know, windows where I'll write a little list of the sort of family management, family admin, I call it. I don't like, you know, it, it made, when I came up with that term, I was like, oh, it feels like real work because it really is. Um, and anyone with, with a family knows whether your family is just you or you plus many other people, it's, it's, there's a lot of admin that's involved. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll try to block out little times when that needs to be done, but, you know, really at work, try to be at work. And then, um, in today's day and age, it's almost impossible to leave work and not think about it again until the next morning. And I, it took me a while to realize that's an unrealistic hope. But I do try to get home um, and sort of check out for a couple hours to be with my kids for dinner, um, be with my husband. And then usually there is a window of time and I try to cut it off by 9 p.m. So like maybe it's 8 to 9, 8.30 to 9, 8.30 to 9.30, depending on the night where I am checking back in with work. Um, dealing with things that either didn't get attended to during the day or that have come up in that window. And then as best I can, it's like lights out at 10 and, you know, a little time with my husband. If, if um, you know, that's, that's, that's a priority that I am working on trying to make happen because sometimes that work, evening work time can really eat into that time with, with one's partner, which I think is valuable. And, and in these years of, of young kids, it's, you know, it's hard. And I'm, I'm not a sage you know, person looking back and, and and I my parents are divorced and you know it's it's fine I think they're happy but I um you know I'd like to not have that be my outcome so I do try to take that 
yeah, takes relationship work. seriously. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, it's just like partners, partners in business. You know, it's like you, if you don't figure out ways you're growing together and checking in and like managing the family administration, the business and the income, the the planning, the celebration, like that's your life partner, right? Like they call it a life partner for a reason because it's a partnership to create the life that you truly want. And, you know, my husband and I, we don't, we don't have kids, but, um, but we both are running our own businesses. So they're like our babies. We have dogs, we have, you know, yeah. travel, we have all that going on. And, yeah. and when I'm, when I'm sensing um, a little bit of tension on my husband's part for not what, like I could tell when we haven't had enough time together, mm. I quick, I quickly am like, okay, coffee date tomorrow. Like I literally just make the time, whether it's us getting up earlier or something to connect, uh, you know, phones off, like one-on-one, like what's going on, download it. And then it just sets the trajectory of our part-time, you know, running our our business lives until we're back together again. So I totally get it. And I think it's important you know, to plug in that way. Yeah. I, I, I love what you said too, because we chose our partners, like you said, whether it's a professional partner or, a, you know, marital, romantic, what have yeah. you type of partner for a reason. And when you take that moment, even if it's just a coffee and you really connect in one-on-one or human to human, I should say, versus an email or a text, you remember, even if it's a quick memory, it's like, oh wait, this is why this person and I are together because they understand me and I understand them. And like, all it took was 20 minutes and we're back on the same page. Great. Like you said, now let's go do, let's go conquer our lives and see you in a couple hours or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that lately I've been finding is that, you know, uh, so my, my book that I just released is all about leading with value. And one of my core values is, is truly is love. you know. And it's really hard to talk about love in a work setting. However, I show up with love all day, all night, because that's what... If I lead with that first, then I know the outcome will be great. you know. Like, and love shows up in different ways. Like, it's just that caring about the other person in the room that I'm interacting with, that they have something of value that they're meant to exchange and figuring out how to love them through whatever phase they're in or whatever we're trying to get over, get accomplished. Like It's just something that I had to really realize as I was doing the work, putting the book together, get in touch with myself. And so... Mm-hmm. Putting that as my base value and knowing that that's now in any relationship, like I will love on you as much as I need to to make you feel that that we're connected. I'll help you in any way I can because that's me. Like, and I'm not going to change that anymore. I used to mask it a lot, you know. But then I also would show up in it not knowing, which is why, like, in a lot of work environments, they're like, "You're such a mother hen," mm-hmm. or like, like I get those. Mm-hmm. Type they didn't know what to do with you. Yeah, they didn't feel like, like they're this like, loving person. We don't know how to <laughs> but I would be harsh as heck at times too, like a yeah. like a scolding loving mom. <laughs> <laughs> to get things done, right? But like, mm-hmm. but it was the truth of me, and and I think it's really interesting in this in this day and age that like to to take off the taboo around that, you know, like when we mm. are having hard times, sometimes we just need to be loved through it, knowing that our skills will always be there, right? Mm. Skills are, are one thing to get one way of getting things accomplished. You want to you want to take it to that next level. It's that it's that spiritual connection, which is the work you know, and the upbringing you've had too, which is why I think you have such grace around the work you do and the interactions you have. Uh, but the reason why I bring it up um, because of our, our life partnerships is that 
when I'm finding that it has been a minute since I've connected at home, if I just approach it with love first, like my still get back to my core value. I have so much more fun with it. It doesn't feel as heavy as, oh my God, I just fucked up. Like he's mad at me or like I disappointed him and I'm just trying to do my best in one arena, you know? And so instead of those stories, because I think as women, we get into that too. I started shifting it to like, how can I make it fun and loving? Because that's really what I want to bring to us anyway. So it doesn't feel so heavy. And then you're immediately, no, I, it's amazing because you're immediately, like you said, you're just moving in that direction. And if one of you is moving in that direction, chances are that's where, the, the, that's where things are going versus like showing up as you're saying, like my husband always, whenever we're leaving town, typically like a car, you know, weekend away with the kids or whatever, he brings a car to the apartment and I'm supposed to show up with all the stuff packed and ready and everybody ready. Without fail, <laughs> it's going to happen today. And yeah. without fail, I'm going to show up 20 minutes late, right? Without fail. It's just what happens because I just have, I, I'm one of those people, I don't allocate enough time to get the things I need to get done. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I show up, I think it's going to take me 30 minutes, it takes me 45, and I have to go to the bathroom. You know, right. <laughs> I've got the kids, you know, you can picture me. Yeah. And every time I get in the car, feeling shame, feeling disappointed in myself, feeling like I failed, feeling like once again, you know, I didn't do it. So today I'm going to just, I'm going to try that. And I'm going to be like, here I am. We're going to have a great weekend and took a long time and I love you and I'm excited and let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Just shift the energy for yourself, right? Because, because that the heaviness that we bring in our minds doesn't serve us in moving forward in that moment either. It's like you, yes, there's disappointments that are going to happen. I face them all the time. I remember one person, and this was in a work environment where she's like, you know, I'm really disappointed that you didn't do X, Y, Z. And I had to think about it. And I was like, I accept your disappointment. Mm. And she was shocked because <laughs> people use that also to like rise something out of you. And I was like, you know what? In the moment, yeah, I, I totally accept your disappointment in this moment. Because yeah, it didn't follow through. I, I couldn't because of X, Y, Z, whatever that was. But right. it, I didn't want to carry the story either because yeah. it wasn't going to serve a purpose in this moment. Like, okay, we're disappointed. Now what? Like, let's move forward and try to make the best of it and lean on what's core to you, which is love. You're not late because you're purposely disrespecting the situation. You've got two kids, a full-time job, somewhat yourself to care about, <laughs> your husband who runs out to get the car when you're not even done packing. Exactly. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, you got it. So yeah. you're in the, you're in like the scramble stress of like, shit, he's going to be downstairs white knuckling the steering wheel, like <laughs> for me to come downstairs. <laughs> and so just having fun with it. Like even if you you know, I don't know. There's just, it's great. I'm glad that you have that as a takeaway from our conversation today because really it's like, it's so not worth it to to carry what isn't true to you. No, it's true. And then we sit in traffic and I sit there like feeling bad the whole time. Like it's my fault. Had we, I mean, really, come on. Like had we left 20 minutes earlier, would there not have been traffic? Maybe, but I mean, it's a pretty ridiculous message for me to then internalize and hold on to and feel disappointed in myself and et cetera, yeah. blah, blah, blah. We and all it really couldn't goes. change. It's, it's no. you know, it's the, it's who you are and how you show up and you're doing your best. Right. Exactly. And so it's just making it fun and, and pivoting, you know, and, and the reason why I bring this up because it, you know, how we treat ourselves in our mind streams into everything we do, mm-hmm. how we have our business relationships, how we you know, go ask for that money, how we you know, align with partners, how we treat our clients. Yeah. And so the sooner we can get aligned with how we truly want to show up and bring that into every environment, 
like how epic life would be. That's integration to me, right? <laughs> totally. Well, and all the hard science is coming out around this. I'm just wondering like when we're going to, and I guess little by little, like people like you spreading this message, like it's starting. Yeah. It, it, Practice. It, yeah, you're right. It, it's not starting. It's, it's, it's growing, right? It's exciting. But yeah, exactly. It's like how we, we just have to like take care of ourselves, love ourselves, show up, doing the best we can. Yeah. yeah. I think the shift happens when, when we're not being graded anymore or compared to anymore. Like, you know, all of us, we, we both went through intense schooling and had to, you know, we were constantly compared to what they considered perfection to be or the highest grade and that A grade. And so it created a less than mentality for a lot of people because you weren't in that top percentile, mm. right? Mm. And so we downgrade the, the actual uh, magic we bring to the table based on comparison, you know, based on the fact that we didn't line up to everyone else. Mm. So for achievers, it, it, it drive, like for overachievers, it, it gives that drive of like, get things done, cross it off the list, et cetera. But from a mindset standpoint and a self-love standpoint, it's a hot freaking mess. Like, <laughs> and it yeah. requires so much, you know, detangling and rewiring, um, which is, you know, obviously work I had to do, right? And in, in order to align, but it's still, we see it in founders of businesses mm-hmm. all the time. Like if they're high achievers going mm-hmm. after, going after, but then they're bulldozing and not thinking about the team they're constructing, not thinking about the partners they put together, not thinking about scalability and sustainability and the, and the corporate culture they're creating because they're just in like achiever tunnel vision mode. Like it, it requires the feelers again. That's why EQ is what you're talking about. Everyone's, you know, the EQ matters. And I love that, um, you've, you've brought it into your practice because I can only imagine how dynamic your partners and your team is in order to, to, because that's what you attract in, to care about all the clients you bring to the table as well. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. In such a traditional space. (laughs) It's true. No, no, it's totally true. And it's kind of fun to be that like, I mean, I can put on a suit, of course. And if I have to go to court, I put on a suit, blah, blah, blah. But you know, it's like, you know, today I'm in jeans and you know, a lot of my clients like, that's great. And I think they're surprised and they're sort of like, oh, okay, cool. Like you are like us, you know? Yeah, relatable. It's relatable and it allows your skills to shine without going into overwhelm. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure they, they benefit completely. I so. But I, I really do want to thank you for joining me in today's conversation because I think of, obviously you see I'm passionate about many things, but I love to, to share your passion and would love for you to let our listeners know how best to connect with you if they have questions in, in the space you're in, you know, to, to take advantage of your gifts. Yeah, absolutely. I would love it. I would love to connect with any of your listeners who have questions. So my law firm is called Jayron Law, which is my, uh, my partner who started it. Um, his name, J-A-Y-A-R-A-M-Law.com. And um, you can find my website there. You can email me anytime. My number is there. If you want to call or text me, you can. Yeah, LinkedIn. You can look me up on LinkedIn and, and reach out to me there. Friend me there. Or is it called friending? Connecting. Friend <laughs> um, <laughs> me on Facebook too. If you want. Be my friend. Yeah. yeah. Instagram. <laughs> I'm on there. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Lots of places to find me. We'll make sure we put it in the show notes for everybody um, to find you with ease. And, and I'm sure once you do connect... You know, and even if you guys have comments on our conversation and reach out to us, you know, because we love dialoguing in this way. The way I like to close out the show is to ask just one simple question. 
How do you define what a badass is? You know, I love the question. Self-confidence. It's just doing your thing. You know, I have a five-year-old daughter and I have, since she was probably one years old, I was like, okay, my job with her is to not get in the way. I mean, she to me is a badass. She is so confident in herself. She so just knows what she wants, goes for it. That's what everyone says about her at this age. And that's what I think a badass is. I certainly hope for her and all the young girls out there and boys that, you know, our society <laughs> lets them, you know, maintain that, that personal confidence. But that's, that's, I think, how I define a badass. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Wendy. It's amazing chatting with you. Thank you. So much fun. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.